I'd like to invite you to open up your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 7 through 13. Revelation 3, 7 through 13. Uh, we'll first uh, pray for illumination and have a bit of background leading up to the reading of God's holy word. Let's bow for a time of prayer. Heavenly Father, again, we, we thank you for your grace and mercy, for your word, for the hope that it brings and the challenges we find and, and how we see that brothers and sisters in Christ have gone through difficult times before us. Father, may it help us to appreciate the peace with which we are able to worship, for the security that we have, and may we be aware of family members, brothers and sisters in Christ struggling and in fear for their faith in different parts of the world. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So a, a little bit of background before I begin reading at uh, chapter 3, verse 7. Philadelphia was called the, the gateway to the east back in the first century, but of the, the seven cities listed in Revelation 2 and 3, it was probably one of the, the least important cities the population wasn't as big as some of the bigger cities. It was about 20,000, though, which is a good-sized city, about the size of Wilmer. Philadelphia is Greek uh, for what many of us maybe know already. Uh, brotherly love is what that means in Greek in the United States. The, the city, Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, is the city of brotherly love for that reason. And the story behind the name of this city is that there were two brothers who were involved in the founding of this city in modern-day Turkey, and these two brothers did have a, a good, solid, loyal uh, relationship, and it earned one of them the nickname Philadelphus, or brotherly love, and, and it kind of attached itself to that city as a nickname for the city. The city was also known for its imperial cult, now, what is that? Having temples that were uh, devoted to the, the worship of the emperor, Rome's leader. The city was also known for some severe earthquakes, one leveling the city to such an extent that the, the emperor didn't even tax them for about five years as they recovered. And this city also had a Jewish community within it. It's likely from them, uh, the church of Philadelphia began. Jews from all over Asia likely heard uh, Peter preach that Pentecost sermon, and, and some of them likely came from this region. We know, too, uh, another way that Christ's church may have grown in this city of Philadelphia during Paul's ministry when it was based in Ephesus the book of Acts tells us that Paul, he preached all over the region to all the residents of Asia, it says in, in Acts 19, verse 10. They heard the word of the Lord, both Jew and Greek, we're told. So this church likely has Jews and Greeks as members. And the New Testament tells us this, this probably did not set well, as it often did not in many of these cities, with the Jewish leaders. Often we find Jews at the forefront of persecuting Christ's church. We know the church in Philadelphia was persecuted 
Because there are historical accounts outside of the Bible that historians have found. About 60 or so years ago, after, this, uh, after Revelation was written, Polycarp, uh, the bishop of Smyrna, is tortured and killed for the Christian faith. But as we read of him and, and his torture, also as we read that, were mentioned 11 Christians from Philadelphia who were martyred around 155 A.D., maybe 60 or so years after this was written. So this city is not a, a safe place for Christians. In Philadelphia, people die for doing what you're doing right now. Worshiping the one true and triune God. The unbelieving Jews from the synagogue are, are likely making life miserable for this, this struggling uh, little congregation. And, and they would be thinking that they're doing God's will as they persecute Christ's followers. So let's look in on this small congregation as they too hear a word from their King, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 7. Hear the very word of God. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door, that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come upon the whole world to test those who live on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Him who overcomes, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will he leave it. I will write him I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of the Lord. You know, you'll, you'll hear it around my house when you hear kind of complaining, grumbling about uh, something that's not going right, and I'll usually refer to it as our first world problems and issues. There were times when I was at seminary where I, I thought I was dealing with a lot of stress due to uh, maybe a busy week of, of studies, some papers or exams coming up, and then there would be a classmate from a different part of the world was dealing with stress that I, I struggle to relate to. What do you say to your Nigerian classmate 
who's thousands of miles from home, whose wife's life was in danger because he and she are Christians. When he's on the phone trying to reach his wife in one of the offices uh, at, at the seminary, because the, the Muslims were storming, attacking his village, looking for him, because he's already a pastor, he's receiving further training in the States, looking for him to kill him and to kill his family. By God's providence, neighbors hid his wife as they went through the town. But I remember him at school, on the phone, struggling to find out Is she okay? Are they okay? What does an American Christian say to to that type of of persecution? I wonder how big would the megachurches be in our nation if it brought a threat of persecution or the threat of death for, for a celebrity preacher instead of maybe a possible book deal from a Christian publisher. How big would First Church be? This passage presents a a church we might struggle relating to. No one's threatening us with bodily harm, let alone death, if we, we come to church this morning. No one's violently attacking our families. Kids, no one is grabbing you by the shirt collar and threatening to punch you unless you you deny the Lord Jesus Christ. But in our nation, is there a growing antagonism and discrimination maybe towards Christians that we're starting to hear about and read about? News story a few years ago that, that told of a Christian Canadian couple whose, whose application to be fair, foster parents was denied because of their beliefs on, on gender and marriage, and they didn't line up with the social worker that they were working with. They were asked this about the church that they attend, attended when they were being interviewed. Quote, are you in one of those churches that still believes that the Bible is true? It was written thousands of years ago, and obviously the world has changed, unquote. Later they were rejected because though they loved the child, any child that they were given and they'd raise them in that love, regardless of maybe the sexual desires uh, that they had or struggled with, they, they would parent and they would teach regarding marriage that it is between one man and one woman, that God has created us in His image as male and female. Well, the message to this Christian couple, unless you convert and believe what they tell you, you're not allowed to, to foster parent. Isn't there growing pressure in our nation as, as some label Christians whose beliefs they don't, don't like, maybe as you know, bigots, homophobes, hypocrites, narrow-minded, intolerant jerks? What will... Christianity looked like in North America when being a Christian begins to hurt. If it hurts our earnings, if it hurts our employment, 
if it hurts our business, if it hurts our opportunities in, in leadership in the community, if it hurts our relationships within our family. Philadelphia means brotherly love, but the Christian brothers and sisters do not seem to be loved in this city. The Jews are, are throwing them out of the synagogues. They are persecuting them. Yet though they are persecuted and kicked out of the synagogues, Christ introduces himself in a way that, that reassures them that they have certainly not been kicked out of the church or his kingdom. So first, the Christ title is, is kind of the pattern with these these sermons to the seven churches. First, the Christ title, Christ the true and holy kingdom key keeper. Christ the true and holy kingdom key keeper. This sermon has sharp words for the Jews who are, are persecuting Jesus' church. The keys to the kingdom are held not by them, but by the one that they denied and the one they had crucified. The Jews might think they are the, the people of God, the citizens of the kingdom of God, those entrusted with David's keys, but that's not the case because Jesus is the eternal king. Jesus is the true kingdom keykeeper. He is the one who opens and shuts the kingdom's entrance. In fact, the Jews deny Jesus as God. To them, the Christ title in, in verse 7 is, is blasphemy to their ears. They killed Jesus for, for claiming this title. Jesus said he was God, the Messiah, the Son of David, the King, and he died on the cross for that. Isn't that what the sign above his head said, kids? This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. You know, kids, have you ever been maybe locked out of the house? Uh, I, I can recall a time when I was younger where something like this might happen, maybe by your little brother or little sister. And it can be frustrating. They, they hold the key, and maybe they're looking through the window at you as they do. His, his, his or her hand is on the lock. And they have that power, in a sense, to let you in or to leave you locked out in the cold. The Jews might be uh, kicking Christians out of the synagogue, but that does not mean these Christians are, are out of the kingdom of God. Because the Jews don't hold those keys. Jesus does. The Jews aren't going to want to hear these words. And, and the church in Philadelphia would be persecuted for, for holding to these words. But they're true. Christ is the holy, true Son of David. He is the one who holds the keys. As we're told back in Revelation Chapter 1, verse 18, Jesus holds the keys to death and Hades. These words from Christ as the kingdom key keeper probably meant a lot to these Christians who were being persecuted in Philadelphia. Many Christians had been shut out or locked out of the synagogue at this time. Locked out of these places to worship. So Christ's 
title, his introduction to the Philadelphian congregation would be words of comfort to them. Maybe they haven't been able to go to what they thought was the church, the synagogue, for a while now. Those locked out, maybe by, by leadership in the synagogue that said, you know, this Jesus of Nazareth was a liar, a blasphemer, a criminal, killed what they would think rightly for claiming to be God. Jesus has the keys. The Jews may lock them out of the synagogue, but our Lord, who is holy, true, holds the key of David. And no one can shut the kingdom of God to those Jesus has opened it to. Christ's words comfort those persecuted for the faith, kicked out of the synagogue for their faith, those dying for their faith in him. At times we can wonder and perhaps doubt uh, Jesus' words. If Christ is, is king and he holds the keys of David and, and what he opens no one can shut and what he shuts no one can open, why are so many doors seemingly being slammed or shut in my face? Why, why does it seem like the, the closer I draw to God and, and the more I, I love to talk to others around him, Maybe the co-workers mock me when I speak of Christ. My professor at the State University laughs when he hears I, I believe in Jesus as, as Lord and Savior, as the one crucified and risen bodily from the dead. Maybe when my spouse gives me a hard time when I tell him or her, I want to go to church and worship as a family. We hear of Christians, you know, in today's world, being let go from jobs in North America. Maybe for using what some say now are the wrong pronouns. Photographers, photographers, florists, and bakers sued for their Christian convictions on marriage. We read of brothers and sisters in Christ in Nigeria last Christmas as, as Muslims went through villages and killed 295. Maybe we can doubt we've got the Christian faith right when life seems to be going so wrong. You wonder, don't you, about these Christians in Philadelphia? Were they scratching their heads and wondering, if Christ is king, why, why so much violence geared our way? Why so much terror? Jesus warned already in John's Gospel that there would be dark days like these when he, he tells his followers, when he tells us, they will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, a time is coming when anyone who kills you will think he is offering a service to God. Not too many years ago, church buildings were, were being burned down in Canada. More recently, a shooting at a Christian school. What if missionaries or people we support were, were shot at while doing their mission work. Shot for sharing the gospel. How motivated would we be to, to continue to reach out with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? How eager would we be to go on mission trips ourselves? 
So perhaps as we consider Christ's kingdom and the, the persecution others have endured, our minds, maybe they persecute us as we hear of what they're going through. Might we wonder whether we are in or out of God's kingdom? I seem to have suffered so little. Did I give enough? Did I love my neighbor enough? Did I read my Bible or pray enough? Did I, I witness enough or keep the Ten Commandments well enough? Again, we need to see that it is Jesus who is holding the keys. The key to, to getting in the kingdom is not by our works. It isn't by our sacrifice, but by Jesus' perfect work. That's been completed. It is finished. And his sacrifice, the key is his. Jesus holds the key by trusting in him. We know our our sins of commission and maybe those sins of omission are forgiven through his shed blood. And though our minds may doubt it, and persecute our consciences, we trust in Jesus for our salvation, His works, His sacrifice, and not our own works or our own sacrifices are the key to our salvation. So Philadelphia Christians, they know the pain of persecution. And, and in the next section, that normally contains a, a commendation and a complaint. Remember? That's normally how these letters go, a commendation and then a complaint. Here we'll find that there is a commendation, but there is no complaint. So secondly, a commendation and no complaint. Jesus begins in verse 8 with, I know your deeds. Uh Uh-oh. Few, if any of us, would maybe find comfort in those words, but for Philadelphia's faithfulness, These words are meant to encourage and to comfort a persecuted congregation. See, Christ goes on to say, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. The door to the synagogue might be closed to you. The Jews may have excommunicated you, if you will, but I place before you a great door, a greater door that that no one can prevent you from entering. The door opened with David's key. The city of God, the kingdom of heaven is yours. They can kick you out of the synagogue. They can't kick you out of my kingdom. They don't have the keys. Christ does. And the door is wide open for these Philadelphia Christians. No one can shut it. And that's good news. For the Philly faithful, because they are, we're told here, weak. I know that you have little strength, he says, but Christ is strong. The one who has us in his grasp. And I know it, sometimes we feel weak. Maybe we come here, we're struggling. And though physically, maybe we're, we're strong, spiritually, in our faith, we're, we're struggling, we're weak. He is strong. We trust in Him. I know that you have little strength, but Christ is strong. Again, we recognize the work of salvation is His. And He has accomplished all that is needed. But though this church is weak, they they keep 
Jesus' words. They, they don't deny his name. They aren't a, a mega church. They aren't composed of the, the powerful leaders in the city, nor the rich and the famous. Their members aren't the, the movers and the shakers in Philadelphia. This church may not look like much on paper to the human eye. It isn't going to be maybe featured on the cover of Christianity Today. So, so why do they receive this great commendation and no complaint? What have they done? How have these religious weaklings, we might say, these Christian underdogs, knocked down in Philadelphia, how have they pleased their Lord? And can we do the same? What they have done, we're told, is keep Christ's word and have not denied his name. They've been faithful to Jesus in times of persecution. We remember that at this time, Roman, the Roman Empire is, is persecuting Christians. In the Roman Empire, Christians were being brought before Rome's rulers and, and told to deny Christ's name, to confess Caesar as Lord instead of Christ as Lord. Bow down to the idols of the land or face the consequences. And that may mean a, a very ugly and painful death. Christ's word in his name, how high is that? On the church's list of concerns. On our list of concerns. I mean, there can be concerns within churches about renovations or meeting budgets or, or protecting the environment or who serves on council or or what type of attendance we have, those things can be the things that seem to concern us most. But where does keeping Christ's word and, and not denying his name, where does that land on our list of concerns? As Christians, are we being faithful witnesses? Faithful as, as it shows up in a consistent and persistent prayer where we we praise his name and confess our sins. And when we, we disobey his word, we seek forgiveness. We strive to repent, turn away from our sin and towards God's good and live those holy and blameless lives that we will one day live when we're either with him or in glory. It might appear as we teach others witnessing uh, to our children, our own children, teaching them God's word and the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we're maybe attending or leading Bible studies, and when we're part of friendship ministries, when we're teaching catechism or, or leading youth group, making disciples of all nations, not just baptizing them, certainly that in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but also teaching them to obey all that Christ has commanded. It shows up as we point others to Jesus Christ as our, our only comfort in life and in death during maybe a visitation at a funeral home. We confess our confidence in Christ who is the resurrection and the life we're at a graveside service for a loved one 
laying a body to rest, and proclaiming that we're awaiting the come, coming and future resurrection when Christ returns. It can appear as we point our children and, and talk to our young people as, as parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, and as congregation members, as we seek to keep vows that we made at, at baptisms, teaching, not, not only with what we say, but by then living out that Christian faith among them, supporting the work of the church, of making disciples. Keeping Christ's word appears as we maybe visit the sick and bring the word of God to them and words of comfort and hope as we assist them as we can and we provide rides for maybe elderly parents or a neighbor in need as we visit a member in a nursing home, invite a visitor to dinner, pray in Christ's name according to his word as he taught us to pray as we serve on the various committees within the church because we long to have God's people come here and worship Him in spirit and in truth. Keeping Christ's word may include supporting the church's budget so materials are there for the Sunday school, catechism, supporting missions and Christian education so that Christ's name is proclaimed and not denied and that we understand all of creation is under his reign and rule. Christ's title shows that he is the true and the holy kingdom key keeper. He, he commends those who keep his word and, and do not deny his name, and there, there is no complaint. And Christ tells them, hold on. And he tells us to hold on. If we do, the consequence, thirdly and finally, will be we will be crowned as pillars in God's temple. Philadelphia has little strength. They're being persecuted by the Jews. The synagogue of Satan, who can't claim to be Jews but are liars, is persecuting them. Their, their lies, their persecution of Christ's people. There's going to be a great reversal one day. And the consequence is these persecuted Christians, as they persevere in the Christian faith, they will retain the crowns already given them and they will be made pillars in God's temple. And the Jews who belong to Satan's synagogue will be brought low. Christ will make them fall at the feet of the Christians they've attacked. A great reversal. They will acknowledge Christ has loved these Philadelphian Christians. Christ says, don't deny my name now and my God's name the city of God's name and my new name will be written on you and you will be a pillar in God's temple forever. You know, kids, that kind of reminds us of how Psalm 23 ends. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Endure patiently. Overcome even though you have little strength. The Christian life described here in Philadelphia is, is a persecuted life. Once again, we might struggle to relate as North American Christians what forces might keep us from enduring patiently. Let's not think that Satan and the powers of evil are not attacking Christ's church. 
twisting the truth, manipulating, deceiving, weakening, and hoping we'll just kind of give up and leave all together. Could it be success and wealth? Could it be busyness? In Prinsburg, we aren't in danger of being dragged out of our churches by, by local officials. We don't have that threat of jail time hanging over us. But, but what types of things are emptying churches? Beaches, campgrounds, family get-togethers, work, golf, shopping in the cities. There's so many fun things to do. Hockey, basketball, NFL games. Are there things that are weakening the church? Will we persevere? Seems like the world has a lot to offer. But do they really have more to offer when we think about it? Moses, when faced with the treasures and the pleasures of Egypt, the greatest nation on earth at that time, refused them, kids. He said no. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. This life on this earth in these bodies is, is so short in the light of eternity. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as a of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered. Why? Because he saw, we're told, him who is invisible. The consequence of remaining faithful to Christ is not boring. Disgrace is the, the writer of Hebrew states for the sake of Christ is of greater value than the treasures of Egypt. We are God's children. Christ is our brother and we will reign with him in eternity. Really? Do we have something in this world that's going to be greater than that? We belong to the most powerful organization on earth that will will exist eternally, the church. And those who persevere remain in Christ. And those who remain in Christ will persevere. Are you enduring patiently? Persevering through the persecution and the faith. And it might be, in our day and age, just a, a lot of little paper cuts. Death by a thousand cuts, as it were. Look at the faithful Philadelphians. Christ makes those who endure pillars in the temple of God forever. Jesus Christ is the true and holy kingdom key keeper who commends those who persevere amidst the persecution. Maybe the great persecution like in Philadelphia and maybe the little paper cuts that we get in North America by keeping his word and not denying his holy name and as those who persevere in professing his name an eternal crown in a place in the new Jerusalem with God forever. Those who have ears, let them hear 
what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for calling us to yourself and for the glorious kingdom that is ours because of the work of Christ. Even the faith we have in your Son is a gift from you. Father, may our faith grow stronger. May we turn away from any sin that is entangling. May we persevere in the faith, keeping our eyes fixed upon the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.